Hello and welcome to Who Wrote This, where the telephone game meets plot summaries. I'm John Sansoni. Joining me as always is Jackson McKee. Hello. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, let me explain how this works. Each week, one of us will watch a movie, while the other only reads online summaries, such as Wikipedia or otherwise. Afterwards, the one who only read about the movie has to describe to the other what exactly happened, and panic is sure to ensue. Due to the nature of this podcast, spoilers are bound to happen, so a spoiler warning is in effect. You've been warned. This week, I read about and Jackson watched The Princess Bride. Starring Fred Savage as the grandson, Peter Falk as the grandfather slash narrator, Carrie Ewells as Wesley, the Dread Pirate Roberts, or the Man in Black, Robin Wright as as Princess Buttercup or the Princess Bride, Mandy Patankin as Inigo Montoya, Chris Sarandon as Prince Humperdinck, Christopher Guest as Count Tyrone Rugen, Wallace Shawn as Vizzini, and Andre the Giant as Fezzik. The film follows a grandfather telling his bedridden grandson the story of Wesley, a a farmhand turned pirate on a mission to rescue his love Princess Buttercup from the evil Prince Humperdinck and his vizier Count Rugen. Along the way, Wesley meets the Spanish swordsman Inigo Montoya, the Greenland giant Fezzik, and the Sicilian scoundrel Vizzini. The film made $30.9 million against a $16 million budget. It holds a 97% critic score and a 94% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, a 77 out of 100 on Metacritic, and an A-plus on CinemaScore, making this the best review movie one of us has watched. So let's clear the air here a bit. This is far and away the best movie. Critically, like, yeah. Like you just like you just said that. Like, you know, obviously you're just saying it's the best movie any of us have watched critically, but like think about the ones we've we've watched already. Batman and Robin. I got really mad about that. Mad. Percy Jackson and the Olympians, I got really mad. Um you know Willie well, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was okay. It was okay. It was strange. It was really strange. And then, you know, like Fantastic Four is just a a B movie. Yeah. So this is the first one that is really star-studded and really, you know, I'm really excited for. Yeah. I'm really excited to do this. Yeah. Let me just say this now. This is essentially just polite Game of Thrones. Like, <laughs> everyone is so polite in this movie. It's amazing to me. I mean, I, I'm 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 really excited. I mean, I'm I, I'm all ready to go. This is a this is a this is an exciting movie. I remember watching this a while back. Yeah. With my dad and just really enjoying it. All right. A grandfather reads a book to his sick grandson who initially dismisses the story. Yeah, it's just Fred Savage playing like a NES, I guess would have been the system at the time. Uh what what's that? 87 ish. Either NES or SNES. He's playing like a baseball game on there. And then the grandfather walks in and is like, "Hey, Sonny, look what I've got." And he shows him this book and he's like, I read this to your father when he was sick, and my father read it to me when I was sick. So now I'm going to read it to you, because apparently your father is not available. For context, the book that this movie is based off of is was made in 1973. So in-universe, this is not the same book that William Goldman wrote to, you know, that the movie is based off of. Yeah, exactly. And the grandson is just like, Grandpa, can you just go away? I don't want to listen to this. And then the grandpa just ignores him and reads it anyway. He's like, you will like this, Sonny. And then reads it to him. So the tale is about Buttercup, a young woman living on a farm in the fictional kingdom of Florin. 
Whenever she tells farmhand Wesley to do something, he always complies, saying, as you wish. The two fall deeply in love, and Wesley leaves to seek his fortune overseas so they can marry. When his ship is attacked by the dread pirate Roberts, who is infamous for never leaving survivors, Wesley is presumed dead. Yeah, so the grandfather, you get like this montage of them like living on the farm together. There's no adult in sight, so I'm assuming that she has hired him through some other mean and is like rich to some extent. And so she gives him money and like they live together and they're very happy. They're very happy with living in each other. And Wesley decides, I'm not rich enough to marry her. I don't have any money. I'm working as a farmhand. So he says, I'm going to go overseas and get money there. I'm going to go work and get money overseas and then come back and bring money to you. And then we will marry. However, the narr- the grandfather then says, his ship was attacked by the dread pirate Roberts, and he was never seen again. So he, it's assumed he died. Really? Yeah. In the beginning of this movie, it's assumed he died. Tragic. Yeah. Because, you know, he's like, he's the plucky, he's the plucky protagonist. You don't expect it to happen to him. Yeah, no, he's, he doesn't have any problems. So, five years later, Buttercup is forcibly betrothed to Prince Humperdinck, the heir to the throne of Florin. Before the wedding, she's kidnapped by three outlaws, a small Sicilian man named Vizzini, a giant from Greenland named Fezzik, and a Spanish fencing master named Inigo Montoya, who seeks revenge against a six-fingered man who murdered his father. Masked Man in Black pursues them, as does Prince Humperdinck and his soldiers. Yes, so Buttercup is introduced five years later, and it's Humperdinck going, She was once a commoner like you, my my loyal subjects. Now she is going to be my wife. Look at how pretty and awesome she is. And then they show her off, like he shows her off to the crowd, and then she goes back to her dressing room. She goes off riding in the woods, actually on a horseback because it's her only way to unwind because she hates Humperdinck with every fiber of her being. So she rides away to um, relieve stress and not kind of get away from it all. And one day as she's riding, she essentially just happens upon Vizzini. And he like very innocently is like, can you help me? And she's like, yeah. And then he goes, is there anyone near? And she goes, no. And he goes, great, because no one will hear you scream. And then it's like, Fezzik comes from behind and bonks her on the head. And then they go to their ship, and as they're talking, Vizzini is explaining why he wants to do this. He's like, we'll capture her and then bring her to the border of our rival country. And then the prince will think that the rival country started the war, started a war. And then the two countries will go to war with each other, which is good in his mind because he's a thief, so he makes money off of that. He would be pretty well off because of that. There's no one to catch him because they're all too busy being at war with each other. <laughs> but everyone else is very polite. Vizzini is the only rude one. He's always he's a very arrogant human being. He thinks he's the most intelligent person in the room at all times. Ugh. Constantly saying inconceivable. Inconceivable. Yep. Meanwhile, Fezzik and Inigo are just like there to get money. So Fezzik, interesting thing about Fezzik. Uh, here, played by Andre the Giant is listed as a giant from Greenland, which is funny considering he's a Frenchman playing a giant from Greenland. But also, originally, Fezzik's from Turkey. Hmm. Fezzik is a Turkish man in the book. Wow. 
So, but I only like just found that out. I was I was doing some reading while you're explaining that, and that's like the only real big change I can tell because you know, Vizini's supposed to be Sicilian, and Inigo Montoya, I mean, is, can't be anything other than Spanish. It's kind of <laughs> very important. Yeah, but yeah, Fezic and Inigo are like getting the boat together. Vizini is just standing there and forcing them to do everything. He's like, I came up with the plan, so you guys have to do the heavy lifting for me. That's why I hired you two. And so he, they get the ship, and Fezzik is rhyming the entire time. And Nigo was like, you're quite good at rhyming. And they like have this banter back and forth of them rhyming, and Vicini just gets sick of it and is like, stop rhyming. Shut up. <laughs> and then later they're on the ship at night, and Inigo keeps looking behind them. And Vicini's like, why are you doing that? And this. And Inigo goes, because I want to make sure no one's following us. Right? Like, that, that I feel makes, like that that's, a, that's a logical thing to do. And Vizzini gets mad at him about it. He's like, stop doing that. And then Inigo turns around and is like, Vizzini goes, why are you doing that? And he says, because there's a ship behind us. Oh. And, and he goes, what? Yeah, there's a ship behind us. And cuts to the water, and there's just like a sh- bobbing ship in the background. Oh, my God. <laughs> And then Buttercup jumps overboard. Why? Because she's trying to escape. She's trying to get away from them. Well, yeah, I mean, I get that much. And she's but... swimming in the water, and Vizini's like, the electric eels will come and get you, and you won't know it until you're dead. Huh. <laughs> and then Fezzik just lifts her up out of the water and like puts her down. It's like, don't do that again. The man in black confronts the outlaws atop the cliff of insanity, or the cliffs of insanity, rather. He defeats an eagle in a duel and knocks him out chokes Fezzik into unconsciousness and tricks Vizzini into drinking a deadly poison. Yes, this is one of my favorite scenes in this whole movie because they get to the cliffs of insanity and the pirate ship catches up to them. However, they've got this set up so that Fezzik puts this harness on. He's got Vizzini in front of him. Like, John, like a baby Bjorn. Mm -hmm. He's got Vizzini and a baby Bjorn. Inigo is dangling on his left, Buttercup is on his right, and Fezzik is pulling them all up on the rope, on a rope that they've thrown up. <laughs> and the and the man in black follows after them, and he's gaining on them quickly, and Vizzini looks at Fezzik and goes, can you go any faster? He's catching up to us, and Fezzik goes, well, I'm carrying three people. He's just got to carry himself. That That's true. <laughs> and keeps going. And then they get to the top, and... Vizzini's like, you, Inigo, stay here. Fight him. He goes, okay. Inigo. Fight him. Yeah. Inigo goes, okay, cool. Vizzini and Fezzik run off away from the cliffs. And Inigo just sits there for a minute, practices his fencing for a bit. And he says to Vizzini before they leave, he goes, I will fight him left-handed because that is the only way it will be fair. Bro, don't do that. You're assuming this. It, do you think pirates don't know how to sword fight? And Vizzini's like, okay, whatever, do that. That's stupid, but do that, whatever. And so they they leave, and Inigo just sits there for a minute, and then he looks down at the blind, man in black climbing up, and he's like, could you hurry it up a bit? <laughs> I, I don't have all day. And the pirate is like, well, I have to climb all the way up here without a rope, because Vizzini has cut the rope. Oh, so he, so he's just like rock. He's climbing. rock climbing. He's free rock climbing at this point. Oh, that's that's and, dangerous. And then Nigo looks at him and goes, "Can you hurry it up?" And then he's like, "I I'm climbing rocks here, bud." He goes, "Oh, okay, I'll throw you a rope." And the man in black goes, "Okay, um, 
I don't trust you. True. At all. That's that's smart. And he goes, and Ego goes, I swear on my father's life, on my father's grave, you will not be harmed until you get up here. Man Black looks up, ponders it for a minute, goes, okay, cool. Takes the rope, he gets up there. And Ego gives him a minute to rest. <laughs> Says, no, you, you worked really hard. Take a minute. They take a minute, and then they have this very intricate sword fight, complimenting each other the entire time. And this is the first time you get the famous line from Inigo. And they're standing there, and Inigo goes, I'm looking for a six-figured man because I want to say this to him when I face him. You know what I'm about to say, John? I know what you're about to say. Yeah. My name is Inigo Montoya. You kill my father. Prepare to die. And he's like, oh, well, I hope that goes well for you. <laughs> they beat each other in a sword fight. There's a point where they both stop and goes, I have something to confess to you. I'm not left-handed. And Ego throws the sword up and catches it with his right and they gets ready. Oh, my God. The, the man in black goes, I have a secret to tell you. I'm not left-handed either. Oh, my God. So they're both in a fight left-handed and now they both oh, they switch? Yeah. And so they fight for a bit, and then the man black gets the upper hand, smacks an eagle on the back of the head. He's like, I respect you very much. And it's a shame, because I don't want to have to fight you, but I can't have you following me either. And just bonks him on the back of the head. Bro. <laughs> Fezzik and Vizzini have gone away, and Vizzini looks at Fezzik and goes, hide behind those rocks and t- pick up a rock and throw it at this man. Throw it at the guy when he comes up and hit him in the head and kill him. And Fez is like, but that's not fair. No, it's not. Vizzini goes, I don't really care. Wow, rude. <laughs> and then keeps walking with Buttercup. And so Fezzik just waits for him. He turns the – Man in Black turns the corner. Fezzik throws it, intentionally misses, and goes – Intentionally misses? Yeah, he, goes, he picks up another rock and goes, I wanted this to be a fair fight. Again, they're the most polite people I have like, ever seen. No, stop being – not. I get it. It's a children's book. And like I get you're you're trying to be kind of kind of goofy, but come on, just just knock him out. And so they fight, and Fez and he's like, "Oh well, that was very kind of you." And Fez goes, "I could kill you right now." Holding another rock in his hand. Okay, here's what I propose. Fez goes, "I will put down my rock. You put down your sword, and we will have a battle of fists." He's like, "Okay, cool." They do that, and he chokes him out. Yeah, I'm not not surprised. I mean. Because Fezzik is used to fighting. The logic that why the man in black wins is Fezzik is used to fighting crowds of 12 people at a time. So he fights like he's fighting 12 people at a time, not a single person. So the man in black beats him by just being a single person and choking him out after a long time. And then at the end, you get to Vizzini, who is sitting at what appears to be a table with two cups of wine and buttercup to his side. The man in black shows up, says, okay, here's what we'll do. He's got a sword raised, and he goes, put the sword down, or I kill her. He goes, okay. Puts the sword down and says, I challenge you to a battle of wits. You're supposed to be the smartest man around. Battle of wits. They sit down. Man in black pulls out an Australian poison. Australian poison? Like an undetectable Australian poison. Takes two cups, puts them behind him, out of Vizzini's sight pours the poison in, puts him back down, and goes, okay, you pick the cup, whichever, and we both drink. Whoever has the poison dies, right? Like, battle of the wits. You figure it out, you live. Kind of thing. Right. And they um, 
And Zini goes through this whole thing of logic. It's like, you wouldn't put it close to you, but then again, you wouldn't put it close to me either. And then you wouldn't put it close to you because of this, but you put it close to me because of this. And for like five minutes of that, he goes, oh, look over there. And the man in black turns around and goes, oh, okay. Well, I didn't see anything. And Zini goes, oh, I must have seen something. Never mind. They take a drink. He goes, you fool. You've fallen for one of the classic blunders. Oh, like, there's the line. What? And he goes, what? What are you talking about? And he goes, the first, the first rule you should know is that never go to a land war in Asia. But the second and most, and second, barely worse known, barely less known is never go against a Sicilian when death is on the line. And then promptly passes dead, drops dead. Shocker. I, I can't say I'm surprised. And then the princess goes, so you put the poison in the cup in front of you? And he goes, no, I put poison in both cups. I've just built up an immunity to it. <laughs> what? Oh my god. Has, how long has he been preparing to do that? And so I'm like, okay, cool. He takes Buttercup prisoner, the he being the man in black, and they flee, stopping near a gorge. Buttercup correctly guesses that he's the dread pirate Roberts and berates him for killing Wesley, shoving him into the gorge, wishing death upon him. While tumbling down, he shouts, As you wish. Realizing it's Wesley, she throws himself. He throws herself into the gorge after him, and the two are reunited. Yep, the Dread Pirate Roberts, as he's now revealed to be, is um, standing there talking to Buttercup. She's like, you killed Wesley. And he's like, oh, yes, I remember him. He begged for his life, saying that true love was the reason he should survive. Because he's going back to his true love after he's made money. And she's like, you suck. She essentially tells him you suck. And then... Shoves him and goes, I hope you die. Shoves him and he goes tumbling down. You get this clip of Carrie Ills just rolling down a hill. <laughs> and then she throws herself after him. She's rolling down a hill too. And you're just hearing grunts the so, entire time. <laughs> yeah, and then they get to the bottom and she, he takes his mask off and goes, Ah, my love. And they kiss. How sweet. After the whole well, tumbling situation... As they make their way through the dangerous fire swamp to avoid Humperdinck and his men, Wesley explains how Dread Pirate Roberts is an inherited title. He assumed it when the previous Roberts wanted to retire. Having now found Buttercup, Wesley intends to surrender the title to another. Yes, the fire swamp is just this very scary area. There's fire shooting out of the ground at random points. Everyone's like, okay. And there's giant rats that are wandering around. Giant rats. And they just brush it off. They're like, Wesley, what about... She goes, Wesley, we... Wesley goes, we could live here. And she goes, Wesley, what about the R-O-U-S? What about the R-O-U-S? And he goes, oh, the rodents of unusual size? And eh, we can kill them. The rodents of unusual size? <laughs> yeah. You're kidding. There's rodents of unusual size? Yeah. It looks like a Jim, Hen- Jim Henson puppet, but <laughs> it still is. And they, um, and Wesley explains to him, he's like, okay, so... I, inhum- I inherited it from a man named Ryan. I inherited the title from a man named Robin, who wanted to retire. And so he would tell me every day. He- I- what I told you was true. I did beg for my life. And he was like, okay, I'll let you live as my aide. And then they lived with each other for a while. And he's like, okay, good night, Wesley. I'll kill you tomorrow. That's how he would say good night to this kid. Good night, Wesley. I will kill you tomorrow morning. And then walks away. And then before Ryan was a guy named Cumberbund, Wesley explains that he 
was told he would inherit the title. They got a whole new crew. They axed their old crew, got a new one, and had Ryan amongst the crew for about a couple weeks until they stopped again. It put Wesley into the title. Hmm. So everyone thinks the Dread Pirate Robert's just one guy who has lived forever. So Oh, so everyone thinks it's the Dread Pirate Robert's. It's just this, one guy. But instead, it's like, thir- it's like 30 dudes. Yeah. The original he says the original Roberts is living in Patagonia right now. He's been retired for fifteen years. Oh, so so it hasn't even been that long. No. So so they just think there's a lot. So in reality, there's just a lot of overturn on how many Dread Pirate Roberts there are. Yeah, it's until you want to retire. It's until you're done with your life with pirating and you found some reason to settle down. It's like for Wesley, it's Buttercup. Oh. Humperdinck captures the pair after they emerge from the fire swamp. Buttercup agrees to return with Humperdinck after he promises to release Wesley. Humperdinck then secretly orders his sadistic vizier, Count Rugen, to take Wesley to his torture chamber, the Pit of Despair. Before being knocked out, Wesley notices that Count Rugen is the six-fingered man who killed Inigo's father. Yes, so they get out the fire swamp and there's a whole army like waiting for them. <laughs> And they hold Wesley at sword point, and they're like, okay. Uh, Bartico goes, I'll leave with you. I'll go with you. I'll marry you, whatever. Just keep him alive. Let him go back to his ship. Leave him alone. He'll leave you alone if you just let him go. He goes, okay. He leans over to Count Rugen and goes, keep him and bring him to the pit. The pit. And he goes, okay. After Humperdinck and Buttercup leave... Wesley is standing next to Rugen on his horse, and Wesley looks at Rugen's hand, which is gloved. And the glove has six finger slots on it. <gasps> no. Yeah. And Wesley goes, oh, you have six fingers on your hand. And he goes, yeah, what's it to you? And he goes, oh, I just know a person who's been looking for you. That's a, that's a little ominous. Yeah. And then the torture chamber is creative. They attach all these suction cups to Wesley. First, they take his shirt off and then attach all these suction cups to him. And Rujin and his, like, aide, like his torture master, right. pull this lever and the wheel, a wheel starts spinning in water, and the suction cups just start sucking. Like, there's nothing there. There's nothing to suck? Yeah, they're sucking on his skin. He goes, I'll show you the higher, the lightest level, and it goes to one, and he goes, okay. They finish. I have just taken one year off of your life. Because we are sucking life force off of you with these suction cups. Oh. And Wesley is screaming bloody murder. Oh, he's screaming the entire time. Yeah. And he goes, okay. And Wesley just refuses to do anything with him. And he goes, okay, time to turn it up a bit. Reaches it up to 50. He says, he's like, no, sir, you'll kill him. Rude essentially tells him he doesn't care and cranks it up to 50. Wow. And then pulls it down and Wesley's like laying there nearly dead. Hmm. Nearly dead. Nearly. Important distinction. Yes. So when Buttercup begs him not to marry her, Humperdinck falsely promises to find Wesley for her. His real plan is to start a war with the neighboring county country of Gilder by killing Buttercup and framing Gilder for her death. He had secretly hired Vizzini to do this before Wesley interfered. Meanwhile, Inigo and Fezzik are reunited after Humperdinck orders thieves to be arrested in the forest in which they're staying. Fezzik tells Inigo about Rugen. Inigo realizes he needs Wesley's help to storm the castle. Yeah, so that whole thing is true. That first part, 
and then you cut to this little shack and Inigo there's just a line of guys and they're all like just trying to arrest Inigo who is drunk as a skunk wow and is still beating all of them oh so he's oh it's one of those things where it's like he's insanely talented regardless yeah and then eventually he just gives up and is like, oh, arrest me. Puts the sword down. And then Fezzik shows up and is like, hi. And the guy arresting Inigo is like, you, giant, over there. Pick him up. Cut to the camera. Fezzik is standing there. Throws the guy arresting him and picks Inigo up and walks into the shit. Inigo has passed out drunk at this point. Shocker. And he Fezzik essentially sobers him up by dunking him in water until he... Wakes up. Yeah. I didn't know that worked. Like, I always see that in, like, movies where they're like, oh, we need to sober him up, and they just kind of, like, dunk him in water. Yeah. that This is a movie, John. Well, yeah, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious if it, if that works. Oh, yeah. And then Fezzik explains all that's going on, and he goes, like, we need to go get Wesley. And then they go, okay, cool, let's go. And then they start walking. Buttercup realizes Humperdinck failed to search for Wesley and calls him a coward. Enraged, Humperdinck imprisons Buttercup and tortures Wesley, seemingly to death, which we discussed earlier, the uh, suction cups. Nego and Fezzik, who followed Wesley's screams through the forest, find his body, bring him to Miracle Max, a folk healer. The mostly dead Wesley is revived by Max, though he is severely weakened. Yeah, so, Inigo and Fezzik are walking through the forest, and they stumble upon the area where the secret entrance to the Pit of Despair is. Which, you're putting air quotes over it, so I'm assuming is not very secret. No, it's pretty secret. It's just they stumble upon it by luck, sheer luck. Oh, okay. And um, Humperdinck is like, West, Wesley's hidden in the pit of despair. You'll never find him because only I know the entrance to it, along with Count Rugin and the person who works there. And Buttercup's like, you suck, and calls him a coward. And then Wesley nearly dies, and Inigo and Fizik are, like, walking around this area. And Inigo is just, like, pouting the whole time. He's like, we couldn't find Wesley. He's dead. Hits the button to activate the secret door on accident as he's moping around. And they go down and rescue him. They bring him to Miracle Max. Miracle Max is like, I will not save him. I'm done with that. The king said, stop doing this. The king is like, stop doing this. The king is telling him to stop healing Yeah, the king is telling him to stop reviving people. But Miracle Max is like, okay. And Ego goes like, yeah, but if you revive him, the king will be overthrown. And you can do pretty much whatever you want goes oh okay miracle max brings him back to life but wesley is paralyzed from the neck down so oh. he's alive uh, well I mean, but he can't walk better than being dead i guess yeah i don't know i don't know no it is it is that's it he is significantly it's better than being alive but that for a guy who like makes his living off of pirating and you know being a farmhand previously can't can't really do much yeah no he's paralyzed and Fezzik is like carrying him around oh well on his back i'm sure it'll be fine and the storm in the castle is funny because they go um as they're leaving miracle max's hut they go miracle max and his like significant other go have fun storming the castle and then they look at each other do you think they'll make it no the odds are pretty low have fun (laughs) like they're having this like side conversation yeah. As Wesley and Nigo and Fezzik storm the castle, Humperdinck panics and orders the in-progress wedding ceremony to be shortened. The storming the castle is amazing. They, they're they sitting there and like, there's got to be 60 guards or something like that. And they're like, oh. 
well, we can't do anything about that. And Wesley goes, if only we had this certain type of cloak. And he goes, and Fezzik goes, what, this cloak? Pulls out the exact cloak they're looking for, and the Migos, the Nigo is like, where did you get that? Fezzik goes, Miracle Max, it was at his, sh- it was at his hut. I, I tried it on, and it fit, and he said I could keep it. <laughs> so, oh, my God. So they put it on and have Fezzik on, like, this wheel, like a Trojan horse kind of setup. But they claim Fezzik is the Dread Pirate Roberts. He's in this black cloak and is towering over everybody because no one knows what the Dread Pirate Roberts actually looks like. It's just like its name. It's a name. It strikes fear. And so they do that, and Inigo has got Wesley on his back. Like Wesley can walk to some extent, but not very well. Oh, he's just still super weak? Oh, so he's not permanently paralyzed. He's just really weak, and he's gaining his strength. Yes. Oh, okay. That that makes more sense. And so they're— I feel like I remember him walking at some point. Yeah. And so they show they're like talking and Fezzik's like, I am the dread pirate Roberts, you should fear me. And then there's behind him and then he goes like, Now? Wesley goes, wait for it. And Fezzik says something and Wesley goes, Now and Inigo lights Fezzik's cloak on fire. On fire? Yeah. It looks cool. And everybody starts running for the hills. They don't actually fight anybody, they just scare everyone away. <laughs> and then walk in the front gate. The gatekeeper is like, I'm not going to let you through this gate. Fezzik picks him up and goes, give me the keys. Oh, these keys? Hands him the keys. They unlock the gate and walk through. And meanwhile, this wedding ceremony, the bishop is there for some reason. The bishop of Florin is there. And you cut to the wedding and he goes, Wove. What a glorious thing wove is. Love. Yeah. It, it was funny. And he goes, and Humberdin goes, can we speed this up a bit? Can we pick up the pace? He goes, uh, yeah. He goes, do you, Prince Humperdink, take the lovely Buttercup to be your wife? I do. And do you, Buttercup? <laughs> but she never says, I do. Oh. Does she say anything? No, she's she stays quiet. And then they bust into the room. The trio comes gangbusters into this room, and everybody f- scatters. They all flee to different rooms of the castle. And Count Rugen is walking down the hall, finds these three. Inigo recognizes him as a six-fingered man and goes chasing after him. There we go. Fe- he looks at Fezzik and goes, Fezzik, take Wesley. Just kind of like hands him off and then runs after Rugen. And Wesley's, like, explaining to Fezzik where he wants to go. Okay, so Inigo finds Rugen, who stabs him and taunts him about his father's death, before Inigo finds the strength to fight back and kill Rugen. Yeah, Inigo and Rugen's duel is cool. Ooh. It is. They fight for a bit, and then Rugen runs down the stairs and pulls a knife. And as Inigo comes down the stairs, he throws the knife at Inigo, hitting him dead in the chest. There's blood everywhere, and Inigo's... uh, He's nearly dead, and Inigo stands up and goes... My name is Inigo Montoya. You kill my father. Prepare to die. And, like, cuts him. Then he goes again. My name is Inigo Montoya. You kill my father. Prepare to die. Cuts him again. My name is Inigo Montoya. You kill my father. Prepare to die. Stabs him. And then Rujin drops dead. And then Inigo just, like, drops because of how much pain he's in. Wesley locates Buttercup, who is about to commit suicide, believing she's now married to Humperdinck. Wesley assures her the marriage is invalid because she never completed her wedding vows. Humperdinck finds him and challenges Wesley to a duel. 
where Wesley wills himself the stand and intimidates the prince into surrender. Yeah. It was cool. Wesley's, like, laying in a bed in Buttercup's room. Just in a bed? Just in bed? Yeah. I don't know where Fezzik went at this point. I think he essentially told Fezzik to go cause some cause some chaos. Go mess her. Go deal with some guards. And Fezzik is, like, just on the ground fighting everybody. And then Wesley has this nice conversation with Buttercup, and then Humperdinck walks in and goes, I challenge thee to a duel, Wesley, for the Lady Buttercup. And he goes, okay. And Wesley starts talking to him, and then he goes, okay. And Humperdinck is like, come on, fight me. And Wesley goes, he's talking, and then all of a sudden he goes, and you, sir, are no man. Stands up and, like, sizes this guy, sizes Humperdinck up, and is like, you are no man. And Humperdinck is like, yeah, I'm not. And leaves. Buttercup and Wesley leave Humperdinck tied to a chair and jump to safety through the window. Having killed Rujin, and he goes unsure what to do with his life. And Wesley offers him the Dread Pirate Roberts title. Yeah, so, first off, they tie Humperdinck up and leave him there. And then Fezzik is on the ground. He goes, Fezzik, catch. Buttercup goes first. He catches her. And Inigo and Wesley are sitting there talking. And Wesley and he goes, I've been in this revenge business for so long, I don't know what to do with myself. Now that I've finally gotten it. And Wesley goes, well, I'm about to retire. How would you like to be, There's a, we need a new Dread Pirate Roberts. And he goes, I might take you up on that. And then they jump out the window, too, and catch. And Fezzik catches them. Huh. Yeah. So Fezzik has procured four horses, and he, Wesley, Buttercup, and Inigo escape the castle. Wesley and Buttercup, safely reunited, share a passionate kiss. Back in his bedroom, the boy eagerly asks his grandfather to read the story again the next day, to which his grandfather replies, as you wish. What a storybook ending. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a good movie. It's a fun movie. It's a its yeah. a heartwarming movie. It's funny. It's really funny. Yeah, it is. It was so funny. <laughs> so, like, I mean, there's no wonder. It's, it's in the National Film Registry for the U.S. Library of Congress. It's culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant, according to the Library of Congress. I think it's all three. I think it's, it's you know, it's this really whimsical, fun story. And it's a really nice change of pace after we've been watching some very bad movies. Yeah. And, I mean, this was really nice for me because the last one I watched was Batman and Robin. Which was terrible. It was awful. And then this I thoroughly enjoyed watching. I was never like, uh, when is this going to be done? No, I mean, that's that's awesome. Yeah. It was, it was great. So, with that being said, final thoughts. Great movie? Yeah, this is one of the better movies. And, I mean, there's a constant theme in here, too, about honor. All the characters who have some form of honor survive. Inigo is honorable, honors his word. Fezzik is honorable and doesn't take an unfair fight. Vizzini is... Dishonorable. Dishonorable. Dies a painful, horrible Dies. Rujin? Dies. Dies. Humperdinck, questionable. He kind of just gets tied up. Yeah, but he on he somewhat honored his word. He kept Wesley alive. He's honorable. He's just 
he's just an a-hole yes he's just not a good person he's honorable he's he's holding himself to honor it's just it's not he's not a great person no but yeah i mean i think overall would you recommend this movie yeah absolutely yes there is no reason why if you're feeling down which you know god knows that there aren't very many people who aren't feeling down nowadays watch the princess bride it's a fun movie it's a great time i i promise you if you're watching this on like a saturday night instant mood boost yeah and i mean my sister recommended this to me she was like jackson you should watch the princess bride i was like eh I don't know. I don't really have a desire. And she's like, it's really good. And I was like, uh, I don't know. And then I watched it. I was like, yeah, you were right. I told her the next day. I was like, you were right. This is a good movie. Yeah. My dad actually did the same thing. He was like, John, John, you need to watch The Princess Bride. I'm like, I mean, do you hear yourself? It's called A Princess the Bride. Princess. Like, what do you what do you think I'm going to do? But then actually, oh, my God. It's one of my favorite movies. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. That's all I got. So, yeah. I think I think that's that that's it. That's a wrap. This podcast is a product of Maris Podcasting. It was hosted by John Sanzoni and Jackson McKee. The intro and outro song is Dial Tone Eleven by Blue Dot Sessions, used under Creative Commons three. Any views or opinions expressed by the hosts are not the opinions of Maris School or the Society of Mary, although they would be very good opinions to have. Yes. So with that being said, thank you for joining us. We'll come back next week with a movie of questionable quality, good, bad, and different. Who knows? You have to tune in next time. Thank you. Mm-hmm.